part of it comes down to understanding what they do, what they're looking to do. So I really try and take a deep dive in understanding them and what motivates them and how they help people, but also who their audience is and what matters to their audience. And I'm surprised sometimes my clients don't necessarily know that. And that's really important. And it's it's not it's not a fault of theirs. It may be something they haven't done in a long time or like many of us, we just assume that this is a problem that our audience has or what they think about. And it turns out maybe we're a few degrees off. Mm -hmm. And so we're missing that powerful communication because we're just slightly off message. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Have you guys ever had a prospect tell you yes, but then disappear off the face of the earth? Or maybe you've given someone on your team very clear instructions just to find out that they actually did the opposite. I know that I've struggled with these challenges more than I would like to admit. And I really wanted to learn a better way to read my customers, my team, and the most important people in my life so that I could communicate with them more effectively. And the most powerful way that I found to do this is to learn to read body language and micro expressions. You see, their body and expressions will tell you the truth about how they really feel, even when their words do not. It's an incredibly powerful skill to learn and one that I want you to learn. And that's why I partnered with the leaders in body language training for business people to offer you a free six-week e-course on body language and micro-expressions. In this free course, you'll learn what micro-expressions are, why are they so powerful, how to spot them, and then how to read them. You'll learn how to make accurate readings, which is so important. You'll learn body language with a big focus on positive body language to understand when things are going really well. You'll learn how to read minds in real time and actually see a demonstration of this. And maybe most importantly, you'll learn how to spot lies and so much more. These folks have trained over 50,000 business leaders and the work has been published in the Harvard Business Review. The concepts have been proven to boost EQ by 10% and sales by 20%. So this is really powerful stuff, guys, that you'll definitely want to check out. So you can sign up for your free six-week e-course at bodylanguagemastery.gregjrice.com. Again, that's bodylanguagemastery.gregjrice.com. And make sure you guys go check that out to ensure that you're never left wondering what happened to that sale or why your team member did the opposite of what you expected them to. What's up, guys? Today, I got to sit down with Jane Tabachnik. Jane is a content and PR strategist, and she helps entrepreneurs become authorities in their industries. She's the founder of Simply Good Press, which is a book publishing and PR company where she's helped over 200 authors achieve bestseller status. And she was named as one of the top 100 people online by Fast Company. So we talk about a variety of things around how to become authority in your space. We talk about the importance of storytelling and the power of finding your own story, but also why it's so challenging to find it yourself without any outside help. 
and we talk about the tips and keys for writing and promoting a business bestseller, which can be a really powerful way to become an authority in any topic. So this was a great conversation for any entrepreneur looking to become an authority in their own field. Jane, welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. Really excited to have you on today. How's it going? Great. I'm so excited to be here, Greg. Yeah, it's going to be a great conversation. You've done so much great work with your clients around storytelling and how to get the brand and how to become an authority. So I'm excited to dive into all that. But I always like to start getting an idea for just how you got into this world to begin with. Yeah, so not exactly a linear or planned direction. I actually started out as a fashion designer. And yes, what I discovered was that No one necessarily knew who I was. I knew I had great designs, but I needed to get them in front of people. And I had no qualms or hesitation to call up buyers to show them my designs, but they'd never heard of me. And so it made it really challenging. So I realized that if I tried to get some publicity and make my name a little bit more visible, it would make it so much easier. So that's what I did. And it was trial and error. But what I discovered was it wasn't enough to just pitch the media, but I needed to tell a story. So the visuals of my designs were great, but the story behind them really helped sell the story to the media. And it made everything so much easier. I would now call up buyers and they would say, oh, we've seen your name. We've heard of you. We were glad you reached out. We were going to reach out to you. So it was a total game changer, if you will, a paradigm shift. And it was fun too. Yeah, very cool. Tell me, could you share an example maybe of a story that you told around a, a fashion line? Yeah, so I did a collection of sportswear that was made out of linen and an ECAT fabric, which is a, um, it's a way that the thread is dyed and then the way it's woven, it kind of creates a varied pattern. And so I told the story around the dyeing and the pattern and the unexpected happenstance that happens when it's woven. And it seemed to resonate with people. It was kind of a metaphor for life. That's really interesting. It's amazing how story can completely change the perception of a product. I remember seeing an article somewhere maybe where like people were taking average everyday things, selling them on eBay, but like telling a story around them and able to sell them for like 10 times of, of you know what you could buy it at the store for because of that story that they put around it. Exactly. So it grabs people's attention and all of a sudden they have an emotional connection. It's no longer an object. It's like a piece of history. Yeah. Yeah. So today you're helping entrepreneurs and business leaders tell their stories. Tell me a little bit about, I guess, how you help them. And and let's also talk about the importance of storytelling around your own brand. Yeah. Thank you. So I work with mostly change makers. I work with change makers. So they could be coaches, consultants, healers, any kind of professional. And they're typically really good at what they do. They may have a methodology, but they have a message they want to share and an impact that they want to make on the world. But like so many things that we do, we're sometimes so in the weeds of our own process and work and even story that we don't see it clearly. And so I help them find a thread through that that is shareable and relatable and that will create the most impact and visibility for them. And also teaching them how to be more visible, how to get visibility, how to leverage the visibility that they get. So 
they can create a ripple. You know, there's um, you get some visibility, and then by leveraging it, you create a bigger ripple and can reach and impact more people, which makes it really exciting. And the way that storytelling works with our brand, I do some work around PR. So I help my clients become authors, share their message through their book and through traditional PR and content strategy. And all of it really needs storytelling. Mm -hmm. And the difference with um, how we use it is, I think, most easily understood through PR, which is a very misunderstood medium. Mm -hmm. And so by sharing stories of how we help a client with their PR or how a story comes to be, it helps people understand better the medium and how they can use it for themselves successfully. And is there, I, I guess, a bit of a process that you work with your clients through to help start to unwind what that story is? Yeah, so part of it comes down to understanding what they do, what they're looking to do. So I really try and take a deep dive in understanding them and what motivates them and how they help people but also who their audience is and what matters to their audience. And I'm surprised sometimes my clients don't necessarily know that. And that's really important. And it's, it's, not, it's not a fault of theirs. It may be something they haven't done in a long time. Or like many of us, we just assume that this is a problem that our audience has or what they think about. And it turns out maybe we're a few degrees off. Mm -hmm. And so we're missing that powerful communication because we're just slightly off message. And so by being aware of that, we can really communicate so much more clearly with them because we're really speaking their language. We're telling their story and it's reaching them emotionally and deeply. Yeah, I'm curious of what what your keys are when you know you've come across the story, when you can tell, hey, this is a great story. What are those things that you're looking out for? I think you get goosebumps. For me, there's like a physical sensation, like you just, mm -hmm. that's great, or that's good. You know, that's a keeper. And sometimes, you know, I'll be working with someone, they'll be surprised. They're like, really? They think it's just kind of a matter of fact thing. They were just sharing off the cuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a nugget. That's the one. Let's Let's work with that. And I think what it does is it exemplifies what they do in not in a technical way so much but how they are able to help someone it usually includes the customer or the person that they helped and it includes some kind of a journey or transformation or result mm. so it's somewhat specific in that regard so you can see it, uh, something happen from point a to b or point a to z where things change mm-hmm I love the thought about goosebumps, right? A, a bit of a resonance it kind of has, which is, is very powerful when you kind of hit hit that mark. Yes. But it can be really hard to find on your own. You know, if you're just trying to find your own story, it can be really difficult, I think, to to figure that out. Oh, I think so. I, you know, I struggle with this as well. You've probably heard the expression, the cobbler's kids or the shoemaker's <laughs> kids. And, you know, I'm so in the middle of what I do that it's harder to see clear for ourselves than it is for someone else. Yeah. So it's good to get help with that, or at least, you know, you don't have to hire a story coach per se, but to have some people that you at least share the story with, engage the response, ideally some of them being in your ideal target audience. Yeah, yeah. And, and the next step, I think, is how do you get that story out there? And I know we'll talk some about the book side of things, but I'd yeah. love just to think a little bit 
or talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, other areas of, so, so say I'm a, a business owner, we find my story, um, we're really connecting with it, we love it. How do I start communicating that to the world in a way that's going to help me make a profit? Yeah, such a good question. So I think uh, part of it, and this is something that I do with my clients as well, is to really try and figure out where your audience spends time and what kind of formats they like. And this is not going to be a, they only like audiobooks, you know, they only like podcasts. It's not mm-hmm. going to be 100% one size fits all, but to try and identify where your audience spends time, what kind of formats they like or prefer, you know, short form content versus long form video versus audio. And then also to look at what you enjoy doing and to try and find the sweet spot between them because you really mm-hmm. can't be on all platforms successfully. So the goal is to be in your zone of genius in a platform you're comfortable on or can become comfortable on because a lot of us are not comfortable on video just Mm -hmm. naturally. Some of us are, but the majority aren't. And so to get training or practice so you become comfortable and then you can repurpose that content, which is something I think a lot of people don't do, which is a good leverage point to take the content and the stories you create and repurpose them into different formats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a ton of value in that. For example, you know, so we're obviously doing a podcast, right? And I'll repurpose different pieces of this in different ways, whether it's a you know minute long snippet or if it's a blog post or there's a whole variety of ways that you can repurpose content and use it over and over and over again. So when you're thinking about content and sharing, are you typically coaching them to do like a cadence, like here's next couple months, how you should be out in the universe developing content around these specific topics or or how do you coach them up in that regard? Yeah, so we try and come up with a strategy. So while there is a timeframe, there are also targets. So some of them are media outlets or platforms where their audience spends time, or it could be a podcast that they know is a good fit for them and trying to get onto those platforms or contribute content to a blog that is also reaching your audience. So setting those targets and then doing consistent things every day to either pitch those outlets or to network with influencers. And when I say an influencer, it could be someone who you consider an expert in your industry, maybe a few steps ahead of you, someone you look up to, an author whose book you like, or someone who is considered an influencer on Instagram. You can define it a number of ways, but someone that would be great to connect with who your audience already sees as an expert and is maybe a celebrity in the industry. Yeah. You mentioned a bit ago, kind of short content, long content. And it reminded me, I wanted to ask you about Alexa flash briefing, because that's a new term to me. I'm not quite sure what that is. So I wanted to ask you to define that and just tell us a bit more about it. Sure. So Alexa is a is the Amazon smart speaker voice mm-hmm. activated device for the home. And Amazon created basically a micro podcast. So you can actually push short It was designed for news, so short news briefings out to Alexa. So if people were to subscribe, I have one called the PR Authority Minute, and if people were to subscribe to it, they could say, Alexa, what's my flash briefing, or what's the PR Authority Minute for today, and it would play it. Mm. And you can select a number of different ways that you can have Alexa play them to you, or you can go to... The, like my website has them, or I also distribute them to podcast sites. Mm-hmm. And 
they're great content because the sweet spot is two to three minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's not really used for an interview format as much either tips, stories, a short case study, an anecdote, a quote that you like. And then it can be repurposed as an audiogram, which are those great little social media video clips you see with the little audio wave or the circle that's kind of flashing as people speak. So they're easy to repurpose. And I think they're a great alternative to a podcast. You don't need a an intro and an outro. You don't really need to do editing. You can actually record them and publish from your phone. The downside to them is Amazon created them and they really haven't promoted them. So a lot of people haven't heard of them. And so the medium is a bit underutilized and the app's a little bit uh, clunky. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily the same as a podcast, but it could be a good either alternative or companion to. There are people who take their podcast and take a short snippet and republish it as a flash briefing. So they're getting more visibility that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even though it hasn't taken off yet, they decide to promote it. Could be a nice opportunity to be in there early. Yes. <laughs> right. So, okay, great. So I'd love to shift the conversation a bit to book publishing. You've obviously had a lot of success helping authors develop bestsellers. So I guess my first question is, how did you get into the book publishing side of things, which is certainly different than just kind of the storytelling side of things? Yeah. So I really hadn't thought about adding publishing to my sort of toolkit, but I was always looking for ways to get my clients more visibility to share their story in different formats. And I was at a conference one day and turned to chat with the person behind me during a break. And she said, have you ever thought about publishing books? And I said, actually, I hadn't. So we decided to start publishing books together. She did something related to visibility that I didn't do. So it seemed like a good compliment. And she decided she didn't want to be in that. But 13 years later, I'm still publishing books. And the thing that I love about them for my clients is that they are such a definitive authority positioning piece. If you publish a book on a topic, no one's going to say, well, they're not an expert on that topic. And as someone once said to me, books have thud factor. You know, in the days where we were networking in person, if you were to hand someone your book, they're going to keep that forever. Mm-hmm. You hand them your business card, yeah, you know what happens to those. Mm-hmm. They end up in a stack or the circular file, but a book, even if they don't read it, they're going to have it on their desk or their shelf and every so often look at it and think of you. And it will also raise your esteem in their mind a number of notches when they see that you're a published author. It also gives you incredible search engine love by being a published author, having your book listed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other big platforms. Those listings come up when someone Googles you, and so it adds that extra credibility and authority positioning. Yeah, and I think about writing a book, right? It seems so overwhelming at the front end. So I'd love if you could just share a few tips on how to make it seem less overwhelming. And I'm sure you coach your clients through this whole process from start to finish. Yeah. So the first thing that I start with is really what's your goal with writing the book? So people have different goals. Sometimes they want more speaking gigs. They want the expert positioning or they really want to share their methodology with the world. And so a book can be the first start. So it's finding out what the goal is and making sure they're clear about that. And then I think it's writing a really good outline for the book. You can call it your table of contents, but 
you don't have to write it in a linear fashion once you have that. But I think that just makes it so much easier to know where you're going. It's kind of like your blueprint or roadmap. And I think from there, you can break it down into chunks, which makes it a lot less overwhelming and intimidating. And then the other thing is, I think you just have to either write it, don't worry about every word being perfect, get it on the page or speak it. I sometimes use that for creating content or working with my authors. Just I like to open up a Google Doc and there's a good voice to text transcription tool built in and just speak it because we're all so comfortable speaking, whereas we may not think of ourselves as writers. For sure. For sure. Now, you've had a number of bestsellers, if you will, among your clients. What are the keys to a bestseller versus you know, just regular throwing a book out there? Yeah, so becoming a bestseller means that the book has been optimized in the right categories on Amazon and that you've gotten a number of sales mm-hmm. for the book. And it, you know, depending on what the book is about, the sales number can vary. It's yeah. not like if you sell 100 books, you're a bestseller. It's not like that. And I'm talking about Amazon bestseller. If you were to get Wall Street Journal, New York Times, or USA Today, Today bestseller, those are based on sales in retail bookstores, which is different than Amazon, which uses obviously the online book sales or their uh, their algorithm. For sure, for sure. But I think my question was more pointed towards what uh, what do you see working that drives a bestseller, right? As far as yeah. the, the development of the content or how you're promoting the book. Like if I wrote a book, how can I increase my likelihood of developing a bestseller? Yeah, so I think it's building some of your platform in advance and actually promoting the book. And I like to, uh, I encourage my clients to use more of an airplane approach instead of a helicopter approach. And what I mean by that is, A lot of people will promote the book maybe two weeks before and two weeks after, and then that's it. It's like they didn't even write the book. They've kind of moved on to other things. But a book is really an incredible asset that you can and should promote over a long term. So if you think of an airplane taking off on a long runway, that can be your momentum building up to publishing. And then you can cruise at an altitude for a while with your book before you land. And even after you land, there are still things that you can do for the book. So it's just something that is an asset that you can continually promote, pull, you know, quotes from or chapters, cite people who maybe have helped with the book and tag them. There are so many great things that you can do with the book on an ongoing basis. And I think that doing that strategically before the book publishes is what can make it a bestseller. And it doesn't have to happen the week it publishes. That's another thing that mm-hmm. sometimes people don't realize. You can become a bestseller later. So there's not a timeline that's attached to that. Some books all of a sudden are sleepers and then you know they become a hit for whatever wonderful reasons. <laughs> Very interesting. Cool. Yeah. Definitely something I've thought about before, right? As, as far as going down the path of, of authoring a book. So it's a bit further out for me, but definitely something I might consider in the future because I certainly see, as you said, all the benefit of doing it, right? Um, it, it certainly helps, I think, to be able to hand somebody a book. It certainly helps making you an authority on a topic. It helps open up doors and, and open up opportunities to speak and lots of things. It also, I think, helps you crystallize your thinking on topics. And I think there's a lot of value in that as well. Sorry, I would agree. I do think it helps you crystallize your thinking and kind of 
clarify it for yourself. It's like when you speak something out loud that maybe you haven't spoken out loud before you see it and hear it in a new way, which I think is beneficial. For sure. For sure. So just a few more questions I like to ask everybody who I have on the show. The first is around the power of conversations. I'm a big believer that just one conversation can, can change your life. And I love to ask my guests if there's a conversation you can point to that had a really meaningful impact upon the direction that you took. Yes. So one that comes to mind is a conversation I had with Debbie Silber, who is a wonderful, masterful coach. And she said to me, simply, you can do it easy now or not do it and have it be hard later, or it can be hard now and easy later. You get to choose. Mm. And it's a very simple concept, but I use it to make decisions. Like if I don't feel like exercising today, I think I future pace and I think, well, I don't exercise for a month. Jeans may not fit. You know, you can, you can imagine the scenarios. You have this little conversation going and it's easy to make that decision after looking at it that way. It's like, okay, I'll, I can suffer through half an hour workout and be happy a month from now or a year from now because I took the time and just did it, bit the bullet, you know? Yeah, it can be so powerful, that whole future pacing. I know I was talking to a coach fairly recently about blocking time to do things, you know, like meditation and things that are, are good for me emotionally or mentally. Um, and I, you know, I just don't have time this week. He's like, well, I want you to look out, you know, when you're 70 years old, what's the impact of never having time to do this? And then what's the impact of having time to do this? And it really puts a great perspective on how you prioritize today. Yes, agreed. Yeah, very cool. So second question, if you think about all that you've accomplished on your journey so far, if there's one communication skill that you could have had in more abundance that would have made it easier, what would that have been? For me, it would be listening and not immediately reacting. Mm -hmm. So better listening, but also uh, I'm a pretty sensitive person and I grew up with uh, some critical parenting. And so I could hear things as a criticism that weren't. So it, there, I just had this immediate reaction. Then I wouldn't hear anything else said or I would be reacting and, and trying to shut down the conversation. And I really feel like until I became more aware of this and was able to take a few breaths and be in the moment, listen and, and see what opportunities there could be for me, I missed out on some potential positive and constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. And so it's been it's been a process for me, and I still in moments have to do it, but uh, I feel like it's really beneficial to be able to do that. Yeah, I can certainly relate on both points. And I'm I'm curious, just if you think back to when you struck out on your own as an entrepreneur and you made that big shift, uh, I'm sure emotionally that was challenging, right? For somebody who's who's uh, uh, can be sensitive to those to criticism. It's very challenging, but, you know, it comes with the territory. You know, when someone doesn't like your designs or they get a bad review on your book, it's like they're calling your baby ugly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. And it's kind of like, how could you say that? Like, you have such pride in your work that you can't imagine. And I don't think this comes from an ego point of view, but you can't imagine someone doesn't see some beauty or value in it. So it's a little bit shocking and it, it is hard, but you have to, you have to be willing to put yourself out there or you can't do it. But honestly, I think I've had more negative criticism or situations in jobs that I had over the years mm-hmm. because I haven't been an entrepreneur my entire life. I've had a few mm-hmm. jobs and I was never really suited for it, but um, I think there can be situations in the traditional job as well 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So last question for you, who's the best communicator that you know? They can be alive or dead. You can know them personally or just know of them. And then why do you say that about them? Yeah. So I would say a gentleman named William McDonough. He is an environmentalist. He is the author and creator of a a framework called Cradle to Cradle. And it's also a certification. And he makes a very complex scientific subject approachable and humorous and interesting. I mean, he's such a compelling speaker. He's got a few TED Talks and a couple of other videos online. And I actually teach a course on sustainability. And he's someone that I am always happy to introduce my students to. And they're always amazed at what an amazing communicator he is. I mean, he's talking about plastics and, and you know, really technical scientific things and you're on the edge of your chair listening and and understanding. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. And it's something that's often overlooked, but it's really hard to do to take a very technical um, subject and tell it in a way that's very compelling. Exactly. So Jane, tell the audience, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you if they're interested in in some of your coaching or, or the work that you're doing? Yeah. So if you go to simplygoodpress.com, you can find me, read my blog. I have a visibility assessment, which you can take and get a little feedback on how you're doing and opportunities there might be to do better with sharing your story, communicating. Very cool. Well, thank you, Jan. I really appreciate the time today. Um, I love any conversation around the importance of storytelling and how we can do it better. Um, and I think it's so important when we're thinking about our personal brands and, and how we want to become authorities in the space and, and make a bigger impact. So thank you for sharing all, all your great guidance on how to do that more effectively. Thanks for having me, Greg. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.